Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Well, this morning I'm talking with the title Major on the Minors. Do you like that title? I didn't come up with it. That was a, that was a team effort, um, but, I'm, but I'm stoked with it in the end. Um, and, I, and I've got a great example. Yesterday, um, my husband took my daughter out for um, a whale and dolphin ride for her birthday. She is so into dolphins, really big on that. And so I said, I promise you, you're going to see dolphins. Um, and there's like a 95% success rate that when you go out, you'll see you know, whales or dolphins. And so they went out for four hours yesterday and saw none. <laughs> I know. Um, and so, you know, that was, a, that was a, a major thing. But last night I was talking to her and, and, you know, I was probably more disappointed than her. And, um, and she said, yeah, it's just I won't be able to, I was going to write about seeing the dolphins. Um, but instead, I'm going to write about the baby jellyfish that we saw. So they scooped up some baby jellyfish and um, showed them that. And so she, she just said, I'm going to write about the baby jellyfish. And I thought that's a perfect example where there's that expression majoring on the minors, which really means let's not focus too much on the things that don't matter. But, um, but there are some things like that, some small things that are significant and it's worth um, taking note of some of the lesser noticed things. So by minors, I'm going to be talking about the minor prophets in the Bible. So some, some lesser, lesser read um, books of the Bible and that, that's what I want to focus on this morning. Now, as I was preparing for this message, some sort of rather big inadequacies in my personality were glaringly obvious to me. Um, One is that my knowledge of current events is really poor. So I don't don't watch a lot of television. I certainly don't read the news. Uh, I don't listen to the radio. So my information about current events comes from my husband, you know, he's so it's sort of second-hand knowledge, but he'll come in and tell me that Hawaii's exploding or, you know, that, that the Prime Minister had her baby. And so I get that from him mostly. Um, and, and as I was sort of doing, doing my research, a, a thought popped into my head of, you know, who's the, who's the British Prime Minister? And I don't know. And I stopped myself from Googling that this week because I still don't know the name of the British Prime Minister. Can someone tell me now? (laughs) I knew it was a woman. (laughs) So I hope that doesn't disqualify me from speaking to you this morning because there are, you know, that does expose me a little bit. Um, And even something like Brexit, you know, I can hold a conversation for about a minute before you realise that I actually don't know anything about it. I know that you voted one way or the other, but I don't know what it actually is. Um, But even more revealing was when I went, when I thought about historical knowledge. Um, And I don't know a lot about sort of big world events like the world wars. And that one bothers me a little bit more because um, both of my grandfathers served in World War II. So, and, and one of my grandfathers, who's 97 years old, is still alive. So there's, I have a known relative who served in the war, and yet I know so little about it. Um, 
And in, in, in this research, I discovered that on November 11th of this year, 2018, um, we mark the end of World War I. So in 1918, World War I, the armistice happened then, that's when it stopped. So it's 100 years since the end of that, which is amazing, 100 years ago. Um, and even more interesting, especially to me, is that within 24 hours of my third child, Seth, being born, the last surviving veteran of World War I passed away at the age of 110. Um, so we have no more survivors of World War I, and, and that's going to happen for World War II probably in the next 15, 20 years. Um, and I talk about this because there's this thing about history that I think we all inherently know is important to remember. You know, there's something in us that that we know there's that saying, those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. And we know that looking at the past helps us for the future. And I think that we can all feel a little bit of grief that, that we are losing a little bit. I feel like, you know, if I can say I don't know much about, say, the world wars, you know, what about my kids who won't have any relatives alive to tell their stories? Um... But we do things to remember. We have memorials, we have days of remembrance, um, documentaries, we've got plenty of movies. Um, and we can go back a little bit um, with letters. So I want to just read one that I found. There are, there are so many. You can look back and find letters from soldiers of the war. And I just want to read. Um, it's, it's up, some of it on, on screen. And this was... Um, Oh, that's great background music. Thank you. <laughs> That'll go well for this, provide the drama for it. And I'm just going to read you a little bit from what this one soldier said in the, in the trenches. Dear Arthur, I expect you're wondering why I've not written, but it is an awful effort to get all the correspondence off and be on active service at the same time. I can't say that I'm enjoying myself out here. It's awfully hot and we're eaten up by millions of flies. Life in the trenches is not a picnic either. We have about four or five days out of them and eight or nine in them. When we are supposed to be resting, we have to go on working parties, digging, etc. Then, wherever we are, we're always under shell fire, so it's not much rest after all. The last shell we had in camp there was four killed and 17 wounded. We live in a trench and it's a mercy it don't rain, otherwise we'd be washed away. The fighting just lately has been terrible. Our shells knock the enemies always, and in the sight, the trenches that we take is awful. We wear our respirators because of the awful smell of the dead. I'll never get the sight out of my eyes, and it will be an everlasting nightmare. Excuse me. So we can be brought back into those stories. It's not, it's not nice, necessarily, to hear of that, but it's, but it's important for us. It kind of does something in our hearts, really, to read things like that. And it brings us into greater connection with our past. You know, it's our human history that matters. And the, re the reason I talk about history is I think if we find it hard to connect to something, you know, less than 100 years ago, how much more do we find it hard to connect to our Bible, our ancient historical document that we believe is the Word of God. Um, this is the history of our faith, the history of this people. And yet, I think we find it hard at times to really connect with that. 
as something of our past. We haven't experienced the rise and fall of kingdoms as such. Um, and, and a lot of us, certainly I know there is still war going on, but a lot of us haven't been through that kind of you know, intense battles that they faced. We may not even be that familiar with the geographical territory of, of the Middle East. So we, there's that sense of being removed from that. Which brings me to my recent struggle that I've had with the Bible. Um, some of you may know, but others may not, that I do some writing for a publishing com company in the States called Broad Street Publishing. And um, that I just write devotionals, so I, I pull out some inspiration from Scripture and write, and I've got, I've got a picture as proof. There we go, and there they all are. Um, and so recently I set out, I was determined to, to write a devotional, 365 days, about every single book in the Bible. So that, and you laugh, I'm glad you laugh. I, for some reason, I thought this was fine, you know, easy. And, and it was, you know, start with Genesis and there's some great stories in there. You go through, you know, there's the Gospels, there's the letters of Paul's, even Proverbs and Psalms. Plenty of inspirational pieces that you can pull from the Bible. But then you get to the minor prophets or the prophets. And I come to a standstill, you know, because I don't, connect with those words. They're hard. I mean, it's, this is like Haggai and Zephaniah and Habakkuk and, you know, all these, all these random sort of little pieces that I don't know about you, but for me, they are ones that I have skipped over. You know, I used to do this thing um, where I'd say, to, I'd say, God, put a scripture in my head. You know, I don't, have any of you done that? Um, just pop one in my head and that'll be my inspiration for today and I'll look it up and I'll know that you've spoken and, you know, be like, Haggai 6.3, you know, and like, great. I never would have thought of that myself. So you flick to it and Haggai doesn't have six chapters in it, you know. <laughs> so you're like, okay, maybe it was verse six and you look and it's like bloodshed and it'd be on your head and, you know, oh, okay, I wasn't hearing from God properly this morning. That has been my experience with those books. It's just look at it and read it and go, it doesn't, I don't know, I, do, I, can't, I can't relate, I feel removed. It seems like it says some awful things. And I want to read you, I want to be a little bit uncomfortable this morning and read you from some of these minor prophets. So here's, here's one from Hosea 9, 15 to 17. All their wickedness is in Gilgal. Firstly, I don't know where that is, so you kind of lose me there. For there I hated them. Because of the evil of their deeds, I'll drive them from my house. I will love them no more. Ephraim is stricken, their root is dried up, they shall bear no fruit. Yes, were they to bear children, I would kill the darlings of their womb. I mean, I'm not making that up, that's in there. My God will cast them away because they did not obey him and they shall be wanderers among the nations. Another one from Amos. The end has come upon my people Israel, I'll not pass by them anymore. And the songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day, says the Lord God. Many dead bodies everywhere, they shall be thrown out in silence. And what do we do with these things? And the last one here, again, God, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, Andre? Like, you know, God coming here, this is rubbish. 
you know, <laughs> away with it. <laughs> I mean, it's harsh words, harsh words to read. And they seem incompatible with what we know of God. God is loving and all accepting. So it's uncomfortable to read that because you think, you know, it either, it either makes you angry or you think, you know, did God really, you know, was that really what God said? Makes you doubt. But I believe that it's in there because we know that Scripture is God-breathed. We know that God's voice comes through all of Scripture. And so it's not something to ignore. And I think that as a people, we're really good at ignoring. Um, I used to think that my mother had a hearing problem, and now I know that that's a strategy. Okay, because I'll be, you know, those of you with kids know you'll, you'll sort of be doing something and, and you'll hear the kids squabble and then you'll hear that, Mom! And I'm just like, nope, not today. I'm not. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to deal with it. You just carry on. You don't listen. You ignore it. You know, we're good at it. Um, we're good at ignoring things like, you know, aches and pains. So your tooth kind of, you know, gives you a little problem and you're like, it's all right, goes a week, comes back, it's more intense. You finally go to the dentist and they say, you should have come a month ago. It would have been much better if you dealt with it then. We can't sweep things under the rug. Like even physically, like if I took all the dirt that we had in our house for one day and swept it under the rug, it would be disgusting and it would, you know, grow mould and smell and be filthy and, you know, even metaphorically. that We can't do that in our lives. We can't take our relationships and have an issue and just push it to the side. We've got to confront things, right? So I think that here in Scripture, we've got to confront it. And I had to confront it. I, ha I had to look and say there's got to be something of God in this Scripture that can inspire us and that can be relevant for us today. So from 2 Timothy, just as I was saying, speaking of the Old Testament scriptures, Paul says, you've known from infancy, I'll read it from there, from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful. So, I want to do that for you this morning. I want to just pull out some of these minor prophets, some of these books, and hopefully help you, as, as it helped me, to understand a little bit more about some of these lesser-known, lesser-read Scriptures and to do that, I just want to start, as I always do, with a little bit of context about the prophets. So the prophets originally um, were, were quite well regarded. So they would advise the judges and the kings, um, and they held quite a bit of power. Their messages were usually delivered spontaneously and then written down after that. Um, but they sort of fell out of favour as time went on, because the prophets were the fun police. You know, they were the ones who were the doom and gloom, destruction, judgment, you know, the should-nots of Scripture. And their messages were, were harsh, they were colourful, they were full of emotion. You know, it's not like, it's not like when, you know, here's an, an amazing guest speaker and everyone was like, yes, a guest speaker. It's more like, oh, that guy again, you know. 
there was a feeling of the prophets there, not this guy. What's he going to say? And in fact, um, the king in Amos's time, this is, what, was, this is what he said when Amos came to deliver one of his prophecies. Get out of here, you prophet. Go on back to the land of Judah and earn your living by prophesying there. Don't bother us with your prophecies here in Bethel. This is the king's sanctuary and the national place of worship. So get out of here. You know, so they, they weren't, they weren't, they had an important message, but they weren't that welcomed. The prophets were also then quite reluctant. So Amos, in response to the king, he says, I'm not a professional prophet anyway. You know, I am a sheep herder. I tend to the sycamore trees. That's my job. But I was called here by God to deliver a message, and that's what I'm going to do. And think about Jonah, another one. You know, that one we know the story of. There's no way. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. You know, he didn't want to be made a fool of. He knew that, that you know, if they repented, they'd, you know, God would forgive them. And who knows, he possibly didn't want Nineveh, you know, the enemies to repent. He didn't want to be made, made, made a fool of because, you know, he would preach doom and then, you know, and then it wouldn't be doom. So he didn't want to go. He gets on a boat the other way. And then there's Hosea, who was called to marry a harlot and have a wife be unfaithful to him as an example of how Israel was unfaithful to God in the covenant. And so it was not a, not a glory job, you know? And yet they were called by God to deliver his message to the people, as unflattering as that may have been. And we need to ask this question, are the prophetic words still relevant? Well, the Jews kept them in the scripture. So they were written down time and time again, and there, were, there would have been opportunities to soften that maybe. You know, maybe the language is too harsh. Maybe it's not relevant anymore. Maybe we should change that, that wording. But they kept them. Because to the Jews... It was important for them to remember their story. And it was important for them, it helped to provide some explanation of why they were in the trouble that they were in. So they didn't ignore those words, they kept them in there. It's worth pushing through the discomfort of the words to find the truth. God's word lives anew for each generation, that's what we believe. So there's something in there. And they can be as powerfully given to us as when the prophet first spoke them. And there's some beautiful themes that emerge. And I'm sure if you went and did your study, you would find some wonderful themes, but I'm just going to pull out some of the ones that I came to as I read over and over again and sort of said, God, what is it? Where is your voice in this? One of those things, and I'm just going to, I'm touching on three prophets, so I've said them already, Amos, Hosea, and Jonah, and the reason that I chose to focus on these is because they lived um, before the exile when there was relative prosperity in the land, um, and they weren't, it wasn't war, so there was, there was, it was a time of peace, but it was a time of prosperity as well. Um, Northern England, England, there we go, Israel had conquered other nations, and it was enjoying its successes. And, and I feel like that's sort of where we are, we're at in New Zealand, or at least in the Western world. 
relative peace, um, relative prosperity. We really are. We're quite a prosperous people. And so maybe we can relate a little bit to this time and this era. And the first thing that came through really strongly to me is that God is concerned with justice. In Amos 2, 6-7, he says this, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way. So what was happening was that the wealthy people were selling the poor people into slavery. And there were a a numerous amount of, of injustices being done. And they weren't paying attention to the needy They weren't paying attention to the poor, which is part of what God had called that nation to do, to look out for the poor and for the needy and to to bring justice, have justice in the land. And they were forgetting to do that. And God's concerned with this. There's two words in there. Um, There it is. (laughs) You just need to look up. Let justice flow like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. So this comes through really strongly in the prophets, this idea of righteousness. And when I looked it up, this is the Hebrew word, sedenka. Um, and this is the idea of there being a right, equitable relationship between people, no matter what their social differences. So God was concerned with this. This is what Israel was supposed to be doing, is establishing this right relationship between people, equality between people. And I think... I'm encouraged because I think that in this day and age, we're starting to turn towards that. I do think that we have this sense of social justice and there's a big call for us to look at equality and to, 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 to really pay attention to those who are oppressed and those who need to be lifted out. And I'm encouraged by that. That other word there, so that was righteousness and then justice, mishpat, This is the concrete actions that we take to correct an injustice. So this this idea of there needs to be equality, but then then there also needs to be actions that we take for that. That was on God's heart, and that comes through if you read those books. So we need to be people that are concerned with justice. The next thing that, that I found so impacting is that God is merciful. So God's love compels him to be merciful, even when his people have been unfaithful. So a lot of times you're reading and it it has those harsh words of, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to wipe you out. But then it's interesting how just as many times he says, oh no, I won't do that. So I want to read this to you again in Amos. So the sovereign Lord showed me Amos a vision. And this was just, he was going to send a vast amount of locusts over the land. And in my vision, the locusts ate every green plant in sight. And then I said, oh, sovereign Lord, please forgive us or we will not survive. For Israel is so small. So the Lord relented from this plan. I will not do it, he said. And then God gives him another vision and it's of an all-consuming fire that's going to destroy that. And Amos says again, oh, sovereign Lord, please stop. Or we will not survive for Israel is so small. Then the Lord relented from this plan too. I will not do that either, said the sovereign Lord. In Hosea, 
This is God again. For so my people are determined to desert me. They call me the most high, but they don't truly honour me. And then he says this, Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you or demolish you? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel. For I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you and I will not come to destroy. Isn't that beautiful? That is God's mercy. My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. And some of you may need to hear that this morning. You know, God is merciful towards you and his heart can be in anguish because he so wants you to return to him and his compassion is there overflowing for you. He will not destroy. And of course we know Jonah, you know, God saw their deeds that they turned from their wicked ways. This is Jonah 3.10. And then God relented concerning the calamity which he declared he would bring on them and he did not do it. And that's when Jonah said, I told you. I told you that's what would happen, you know, if I, if I preached this and they repented that, that you would just, you know, be gracious and forgive them. And that's what he did because we know that God is that compassionate God. So there always remains that conviction that as, as damning as the language might be, that God would renew or restore. His love compels him to be faithful, compels him to be merciful. And that is something that he says he's merciful towards us, but also that we're to be people of mercy as well. And finally, this a strong sense that God wants us to remember. So throughout the prophets, there's this idea of ignoring or forgetting. So Israel, they had this covenant and God was like, I will bless you if you remain faithful to me. Not just like a reward for doing what I'm saying, but I have my ways and I want you to walk in those ways because you will be blessed if you walk in those ways. And they time and time again turn away and they forget and they ignore. Now there's a difference between ignorance and ignore. Now it comes from the same word, but ignorance is when when you don't necessarily know. So for example... When my husband comes home one day and says to me, hey, I've got, I've got something that I want to talk to you about. He's like, what is she going to say? Um, I want to, it's, it's bothering me a little bit, you know, something that you do that's bothering me and, and I want to talk about it. Well, I'm ignorant at this point. I, I don't know what that is, so I, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong or, or what the problem is. Then when he carries on to tell me that when I borrow his car and park it, really close to the fence, the driver's side, and forget to push the seat back. (laughs) The next morning when he's going with his hot cup of tea in in his hand to get ready for work and squeezes in, you know, and finally gets in the seat and his knees are in his face and he spills his hot cup of tea, that that's upsetting. (laughs) That he's hopeful that I would not do that again. Okay, now I'm not ignorant. Now if that happens again... I should expect the wrath because he's told me, right? 
And in the Bible, that ignore and forget, it's the same word. So it's, you know, we sort of excuse forgetfulness. But really it's like, no, I've told you something and you've forgotten, you've ignored. And God's saying, don't forget, don't ignore. This is what happens when you forget. This is what happens when you ignore. I want you to remember. And the the words in the Bible, and, and especially in the Old Testament, you know, it's just... Remember, remember the covenant which I called you to. And, and that was the Old Testament. We have the, we have the new covenant now, but it's the same thing. It's the same words. The covenant has been fulfilled in Jesus and we, we just have to believe in him that our sins are forgiven. But he wants us to remember. He wants us to rem- remember that. And he says in James 1.22, Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive yourselves. For if anyone hears the word and does not do it, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. They look at themselves and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. It seems absurd. You know, it seems absurd to think I've just looked at my face and then I turn away and I can't remember what I look like. And that's what he's likening this to, his words, this new covenant that he's brought to us. The scripture, we need to look at it and we need to remember. You know, and I always think it's a funny thing. We come here and one of us talks to you, you know, and it's often things that you've heard time and time again. And you're like, ah, that's nothing new. Sometimes I think that, you know, like I've heard that. But good, right? Good to hear it again and again and again. That's part of putting it in our memory, in our hearts. And this is the new covenant that Jesus has written on our minds and on our hearts. So don't forget, don't ignore the words. And this morning, that's really what I, I felt to bring out through this, this, this struggle of like, we need to confront some of those hard things. And it might not necessarily be scripture that you're struggling with, but there are things that God brings to mind And I would encourage you to not push those away. You know, we had words this morning. We sing songs. God speaks. speaks through Scripture. He speaks through people. He speaks in so many different ways. And it's important, so important, to hear and to not forget. A couple of weeks ago, Calvin spoke on forgiveness. And I felt God, he asked people to come up for prayer. And I, f- I felt something, it was just small, of maybe I need to get prayer. Um, and then some people came up and I thought, oh no, I should probably be praying for people. So I prayed and, and I was going to maybe ask them to pray for me. And um, my son came in and, and that was the end of it. And that happens, I think that happens a lot. God speaks, there's a little nudge. I reckon there was something in some of you this morning when Stanley asked, do you have something? I think a lot of you probably had something, you know, and yet we, we dismiss it. You know, and I'm not saying God won't bring that round again. You know, God will still let me be prayed for, for, for my issue of forgiveness or whatever it is. But it's too easy. It's too easy to not respond in that moment when God speaks. And I don't know if you feel like God has spoken to you lately, 
I would guess that he has, but sometimes we may be expecting his voice in a certain way. This morning, I just want to give you that opportunity to recognize that God speaks in a number of ways. He's still speaking to us today. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.